Hello, everybody. It's now after five o'clock in the morning where I live, and I have been up for more than four hours. To make a long story short, I could have spent some of this time folding laundry that's been sitting on my couch for, I mean, days and days, which is clean, P.S., or sweeping the floor that Lord knows needs to be swept at least twice as often as it is. But instead of doing those necessary tasks, I spent time doing something that I have found to be even more necessary. Um, just reading in God's word, looking into the Bible in new ways. And as you'll hear, um, challenging myself and challenging the Lord some too, just being real with God and finding out more about him and more about what that means to me. So without further ado, here is uh, episode one. Where do we go from here? If there's anything about me that's paramount to understand who I am and where I'm going, it's the knowledge that I sincerely strive to honor the Lord of the Bible by emulating and well representing his son, Jesus. This is because I have personally, with supernatural frequency and undeniability, witnessed the involvement and presence of one who could only be the creator of the universe, the sovereign and supreme Lord, the lover of my soul so generous that he would give his own son in my place. But while I attest that I do 100% believe the Bible to be true, and while I genuinely endeavor to exemplify the Lord who inspired its words, I admit that I am a repeat dismal failure at such efforts so often. Despite the continual evidence of provision that can only be given at the hands of someone all capable and truly concerned with my best interests, I struggle. In every season of my life, I have seen the Lord at work, clearing paths only he could clear, opening doors only he could open, giving life only he could give. Yet in recent years, Despite what I would contend is earnest obedience and devotion to him, it has seemed as if the Lord has remained silent when I have called out to him. I am thankful to have so much vivid history with God to know that my own interpretation of his silence from my fleshly limited view is just that, fleshly and limited. I know that I know that I know that this perspective of godly negligence does not accurately reflect the character of God. Where others abandon, God stays. Where others give up on, God fights for. Where others belabor, God pacifies and comforts. But the truth is that despite my absolute certainty that God cares for his children with such detailed, rich, intimate attention, despite my repeated asking and the fervency with which I have committed to following his ways, there have been numerous times in the last few years of my life where I have been unable to see such evidence of him taking said care of me. I know this sentiment isn't possibly true, if I made a list of the replete and certain blessings the Lord of Heaven's armies has bestowed upon me individually, even within this period of perceived silence, I could write on for days and days. But it remains that the circumstances of my life have led me to struggle with reconciling that this God who so desperately loves so many people around me has so often seemed absent when I've sought him out. In this, I relate very much to the account recorded in the sixth chapter of the book of John. Jesus, but days after effortlessly feeding several thousand people by way of five measly loaves of bread and two small fish, a meal intended for only one boy, divulges that it's not about the miracles. He then warns that getting hung up on physical food is completely missing the point. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. The person who aligns with me hungers no more and thirsts no more ever. I have told you this explicitly because even though you have seen me in action, you don't really believe me. Every person the Father gives me eventually comes running to me, and once that person is with me, I hold on and don't let go. I came down from heaven not to follow my own agenda, but to accomplish the will of the one who sent me. 
This, in a nutshell, is that will. That everything handed over to me by the Father be completed, not a single detail missed, and at the wrap-up of time, I have everything and everyone put together, upright and whole. This is what my Father wants, that anyone who sees the Son and trusts who He is and what He does and then aligns with me will enter real life, eternal life. My part is to put them on their feet alive and whole at the completion of time. Verses 35 through 40. Here, surrounded by a throng of witnesses, no doubt shocked by his assertion, Jesus claims that they not bother eating perishable food, but that he is the bread that they are to be consuming. Naturally, the people are bona fide grossed out. I can imagine the questions, even from ardent disciples who have chosen to believe in Jesus after seeing him do the impossible, were rampant. What in the world? He's suggesting we eat his body? How does this have anything to do with God's will? He can't seriously suggest that this is what pursuing God is about. But Jesus doubles down. My flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. By eating my flesh and drinking my blood, you enter into me and I into you. In the same way that the fully alive Father sent me here and I live because of him, so the one who makes a meal of me lives because of me. This is the bread from heaven. You're Your ancestors ate bread and later died. Whoever eats this bread will always live. Verses 53 through 58. I obviously cannot speak with certainty to the feelings of the crowd at large, but I do identify with their apparent confusion. You see God doing something truly amazing and know without a shadow of a doubt that he is real and actively involved in the world, but then things get shaken up and something unexpected happens and your vision blurs and your assurance wavers. Maybe you lost a child. Maybe your spouse cheated on you. Maybe your best friend left you. And even though you know you've fallen short of God's glorious standard because he is perfect and you are far from it, you didn't deserve the fallout that you've experienced. Whatever your circumstances, your one's confident trust in the truth of God's ways are broken. Or maybe it's just me who struggles with such matters. But what really makes a difference here What really shapes the course of your days, my days, our days moving forward is how we respond. Do we cut bait and hightail it out of dodge? Do we sit in despair refusing to accept that a good God would ever allow such injustices against us? Do we reach out to him yet again, even though we feel we've been burned one too many times to be sure God's even listening? To best answer this, I suggest we read further on in John chapter 6. Following Jesus' morbid admonition, the crowd of listeners dissipates in frustration, confusion, maybe even resentment. Then Jesus turns to his tribe, his chosen few, asking them how they will respond. Simon Peter, one of his closest friends, a member of his most devout inner circle, confesses to Jesus, Master, to whom would we go? You have the words of real life, eternal life. We've already committed ourselves confident that you are the Holy One of God, verse 68. As someone who has plenty of questions about the Lord, for which I don't have answers, I understand the weight of such a response. This is more than merely a fact-stating exercise for Peter. It's a promise to his dearly beloved friend. He doesn't deny the doubt. He doesn't ignore the uncertainty that comes with not understanding the whole picture, maybe even not wanting things to be the way they are. But he chooses to accept the truth even when it doesn't seem so obvious. Jesus, it's you. No matter if things don't make sense or if we don't see eye to eye, you are the truth. There is no one else. So where do we go from here? 
Peter knew confidently that Jesus was, in fact, that Holy One of God. No matter what we are facing, no matter what we have gone through, no matter how many times we have labored or where we have toiled or whom we have battled, the truth is that Jesus is the real life, the eternal life. We can accept this or we can reject this, but true it remains. May we, like Peter, come to such a conclusion even when the variables don't measure out. Because I don't know about you, but for me, there is nowhere else to go. Until next time, be blessed.